Hello, everyone, and welcome to NFT Tales, our podcast to talk about our adventures in NFT land and the current events in the NFT world. My name is Jonathan Smith. And my name is Jeremy Craig. This episode of the podcast titled Rug or Be Rugged, we're going to talk about some current events in NFTs. We're going to talk about some commonly used NFT terminology. We're going to go through some advice to keep you and your NFTs together and to make sure someone doesn't rug you of your NFTs. Uh, what do you think, Jeremy? You know, I'm always glad when we got a chance to, to give some practical advice on this podcast. So let's get into it. Awesome. All right, lead us in, Jeremy. What's the NFT news? What's everyone talking about this week in the NFT world? Well, it's got to be Justin Bieber jumping in and, and buying that Bay Area Yacht Club. Um, not just buying one, but purchasing one well over the floor. Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. I, I looked at it, and I, I'm just looking at it. You know, some PFP projects you can look at it and go, oh, I get why that one is the one that's so rare and all that, because it's got, like, the sparkle or it's animated or something. But that one I looked at, and I was like, nope, I can't tell the difference between that one and the 100 ETH one or whatever, but that just shows how sophisticated I am in that particular market. So, You know, I, I'm not the best fact checker, but what I heard was that his address is 3001 and that that was 3001. So he didn't pick based on rarity. He literally went and overpaid for one that had an address that, or that was the same number as his address. Well, there you go. If you've got millions upon millions of dollars, I guess you can have whatever decision matrix you want for the flex for your internet BFB, right? Yeah. He felt left out that Snoop Dogg and Dre and Eminem all had one. Neymar got one. So he said, Hey, I got to jump in. So in other NFT news, one thing that's come up recently is that someone discovered an original CryptoPunk contract that basically Larva Labs, whenever they did the CryptoPunks, they did a first gen CryptoPunk and there was something wrong with that contract. And so they scrapped it, started over and then released the current set, which are the CryptoPunks we all know and love. Um, but that first set, people discovered them, went and pulled them off the blockchain. And then because all those are old primitive uh, style uh, uh, ERC tokens, they were actually able in the wrapper to wrap them into a modern token to fix the problem with that old smart contract so that now those version one crypto punks can be traded. Um, whenever I looked at them uh, for a couple of days ago, everyone says they started at like 0.3 or something. Whenever I started paying attention to them, there were somewhere around 6 ETH. Right now, though, I saw one going for over 20 ETH. I think the floor is something like 20, 30 ETH or something like that for these version ones. And so that's something that's like a discovered project. That's something recent. And I think, of course, not only does that have its own value, but it kind of chips away the value of the version 2 because what were you really getting with the actual CryptoBunk, the version 2, compared to this V1 that's out there? Who actually owns the image? Is it the V1 people? Is it version 2 people? And then given how much money that is, it's going to be lead to lawsuits. That's going to be a lot of fun. Go ahead. I said, that's no lie. Oh, yeah. Um, and I know when we talked about this, one of the things I didn't understand was that the punks weren't randomly generated. So that it was, you know, somewhat of a chosen um, selection. And that's why the V1 punks are the exact same as the V2, because it wasn't like a computer randomization where you'd only have, you know, a, a few certain number of crossovers. Like legitimately, every V1 punk is also duplicated in the V2 series, right? I mean, from my understanding, yes. I think... 
that people going back and doing that kind of uncovery and discovery, that's what a lot of going on in the uh, NFT space this year. I was going to make a prediction for 2022. I think that's going to be a continuing trend as people dig on the blockchain and try to find these old relics and pull them out. Some of them, like in this case, will have a lot of value. Some of them just might have an emotional value, the story behind the people that can pull them out and, and what they mean for the history of these individual projects, these individual assets. Um, but not everything can be roses. So mm-hmm. in the previous episode, I talked about just generally NFTs I thought were cool ideas. In one of the, in the, in that little segment, I talked about the Blockverse NFT, mm-hmm. and it turns out that they just walked away. That they took the million in mint, and uh, Peter Earn Game was never bolted on top of Minecraft, and that it was a good idea. And it was a good enough idea to, to, to rug people on. So we'll talk about what that term leads later on the, the, the podcast. But what do you think about that, Jared? What do you think that does for the space and the people that invested in over a million dollars that invested in it? We're just in a prime market right now to have those type of people, you know, proliferate and, and take advantage of it. it. You have a great idea. People can see that it's a great idea and they want to be a part of it so much so that, you know, they put their money into it and then these developers can just walk away. I mean, I don't know how you could have um, verified or checked or done any of this, right? Like so much of this is done on, oh, here's our roadmap, here's our white paper. And then at the end of the day, it, most people don't even ex- inspect the smart contract to know if it's, you know, a honeypot. And there's another word we'll talk about later. But, you know, it, there's just... So, you know, another thing that came out in the, the news, uh, we talked about in a previous episode was about how Ubisoft tried to launch their own NFT collection and it flopped, it fizzled. And, and an executive this week complained about how the NFT, those uh, critics, gamers in particular, so not on the NFT side, but people that are more gaming focused, how they just don't get it and how they're just all against NFTs. You know, one thing, going back to the Justin Bieber news item, Jeremy, it feels like if I was going to say what the story is of 2022, if the story of 2021 was the rise of NFTs and the hype show of NFTs, it feels like a lot of 2022 is a backlash against NFTs and people letting their negativity flag about nfts fly whether that's people hating something like the bieber buy just because now it's popular so it's cool to hate things that are popular especially artists that are popular or like this ubisoft executive basically complaining that why don't gamers like this thing they should like this thing you know like it's obviously in their benefit why don't they like this thing and he kind of you know got into a little bit did you get to see any of that news jeremy i don't know if you caught up on the ubisoft thing did you get to see this executive complaining Oh, yeah, I did. I mean, we talked about it originally and, and laughed at the fact that it was like, you know, 35,000 down votes and 1,300 upvotes within like four or six hours or something. It was remarkable how quick it got, you know, sheer hatred. But when you sent me that link and I was reading it, I mean, it, like you said, it just sounded like that executive was throwing a temper tantrum. I mean, he, he had some valid points, but he literally said his target audience couldn't comprehend what he had in store for them. And I'm like, that does not sound like an effective strategy to market. I mean, he did say their end game is about giving players the opportunity to resell their items once they finish with them or they finish playing the game itself. So it's really for them. It's really beneficial, but they don't get it for now was his quote. So, I mean, he made it sound like he's trying to give them a present. Like when you're done with the game, you can, you know, have some resell or, or salvage value. And I'm really doing this for you. I, I feel like he probably pitched the entire rest of the EC on, you know, how beneficial it was going to be. And it was not received well. And he, his, 
rear end is in the hot seat. You know, that's probably part of it is, you know, I made these executive sign off and why won't these stupid gamers get on it? But, you know, you listen to his points, the arguments he makes, and you you get on a gaming forum and gamers can very quickly come up with a use of NFTs that might actually make their experience better. It's, it's, it's not impossible to think of. And that's kind of what this Ubisoft executive was pointing to. Like, don't they want a secondary market to sell their items and that sort of thing? Here's the problem. And here, I think, is where a lot of hatred for NFTs in the gamers community lie, is that in order for any NFT to have utility, corporations that that create these platforms actually have to build around that NFT and allow that NFT to have that sort of flexibility. You know, Twitter had to build out the capability to have the hexagon PFP, verified PFP, right? Like, it wasn't something just native to the platform. It's not just native to cryptos or NFTs. They had to build those hooks. They had to build that, that, that world. And this executive is complaining about, it's exactly right, gamers would love if they could go resell their in-game items for games they aren't playing anymore. Gamers would love if every digital game they bought, like on Steam, on, you know, the PlayStation Store, was tied to some NFT contract on the blockchain, and then I could go to OpenSea and I could go resell my digital game after I'm done with it for whatever secondary market value I could get, and and I or I could go sell my my extra gun or whatever that I you know I paid for in, in uh, Call of Duty or whatever. I think p- gamers can see that they would love that they would love to have that actually work out. But they've watched this gaming market for years now as it's moved into a D- DLC world and a freemium world. And what they've seen is is that every single place where gaming companies can make more money and close the the trap, so to speak, where where value can leak out, they do it. In every single place where they could make things more open for users, they, they, they could make things, you know, better for gamers. They pretty much don't unless there's such a backlash. Like I'm thinking EA's Battlefront situation where they had to shut down a lot of the monetization or about how Sony had to eventually capitulate on doing crossplay on games and stuff. There's so many examples in gaming where the default was something that was anti-gamer. And only got around to a pro gamer thing after basically people just pitched an absolute fit on the internet for a week on end or something like that. And gamers looking at NFTs and they go, yeah, there's a lot of good reasons why I'd want that. But the gaming companies aren't going to allow any of them. There's that cynicism that's baked into the crust. And there's no one in the NFT market that can really dispute that. For, for this guy to be right, Ubisoft would have to allow that utility to work out. And they would have to allow, let's say, you know, they, Assassin's Creed, huge franchise of theirs. If they let's let's say you sold an in-game item for Assassin's Creed, not only would Ubisoft have to allow the the gamers to actually resell those in-game items, aka don't buy them from Ubisoft, aka Ubisoft makes less money than selling the whole thing themselves. But let's say someone wanted to build uh, a, not Assassin's Creed, but uh, you know, Patassin's Feed or something, and it's a game that's kind of like it. Can use those in-game items or whatever, but you know, in a different con. Is Ubisoft going to allow that? No way. No, that's our IP. That's our content. I don't care if you own whatever on the blockchain. We're going to sue you. Come after you. We all know that would be the end result. And this is why gamers don't like NFT. They come from a decent place, which is they don't trust these gaming companies. And I kind of get where that side of the backlash comes from. You know, one thing that's interesting about uh, the NFT backlash, though, Jeremy, is that it seems like there's a lot of people out there with an axe to grind, and they're all just lining up in 2022, right? Uh, Because the NFTs hit critical mass or whatever. And it's kind of funny how they come from all quarters. So you got the gamers, and as I explained, there's a lot of reasons they don't like it. 
And then you've got like the people that just don't like crypto in general. And so, you know, th- there is that kind of usually older, not always, there's a lot of young people that, you know, miss the boat or something. And so they're mad about it and they're not into it. But um, there, there is a lot of people out there that are just crypto haters in general, that it's all a Ponzi scheme. It's all a scam from Bitcoin on down. And it's all a waste of time and energy. And so NFTs get a piece of that. But NFTs also get hate from within the crypto community. I know you've seen that before, Jeremy, because you came in NFTs. You didn't come into crypto. Crypto kind of was brought to you by NFTs. And I know you've run into some of that hostility before, uh, just trading coins around that sort of thing, right? Yeah. I mean, they feel like, you know, they have a much more fungible or tangible item with their tokens. And they're like, you just have a picture. I've got tokens. My tokens have value. And I'm like, what? What's the intrinsic value of your tokens, bro? It didn't seem like we were on the same team. It definitely seemed like there was a little bit of mutual exclusivity between the two of us. Like, we we couldn't coexist on the same playing field. You know, you just got to chill, bro. It's not about always a technical problem being solved. I would say in the, with NFTs, it's more about connecting technology with emotions, technology with people, right? And, you know, it's more about giving assets something that's more tangible for people to grab onto than, like, three letters and a ticker or something like that, you know? And they, they, they just want to discount completely the... The human part of the experience and jump straight to well you're not actually getting anything but a piece of the blockchain yeah the blockchain that you put like years in a building or whatever right like can't we celebrate this for a second you know we like our nfts i mean some of it is a little bit well i'll admit it it's kind of that casino aspect of ooh, i'm buying this thing and it goes up or whatever i mean who doesn't like that kind of thrill of ooh, my investment 3x if you're trying to do flipping but a lot of us are in here because we do like the technology. We like the people behind the projects. We like the utility that the projects are giving to us. Then a lot of cases are not much different than some random token or something like that. That's just another ETH token or whatever. And so if you're having fun wherever you are, knock yourself out with that NFT because we should all be a community together. We shouldn't be rooting against each other. One of the worst things about the crypto world is how they root against each other, how they try to tear down each other's projects. One thing I really like about the NFT world is that there isn't that kind of same angst, that same kind of same fighting. And it would be really nice if we could step away from that as a group. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about some these NFT terms, getting some details. And then we're going to give you some advice on how not to get your NFTs stolen. We'll be right back in just a second. All right, Jeremy, let's do some terminology. Uh, What you got? Man, where to start? I mean, obviously, probably one of the the most common ones and ones that we've labeled ourselves is Dijin. So what is it when I say I'm going to go or I am a Dijin? I mean, I want to hear your explanation on this. My thought is, is that's basically this this people in the NFT space laughing at themselves, kind of like the haters going, yeah, haters. NFTs are dumb and I'm still spending thousands on them because I'm a degenerate moron or whatever. Like, I always thought that that was a little bit of like a tongue in cheek, like, ha ha ha. Yeah, you see, you're right. I am dumb and that's not going to stop me. Ha ha. Almost like a poke a finger in the eye of the. But maybe I'm wrong about that. What do you think it means? No, I agree 100 percent. You know, it's a we're degenerative dudes we're or degenerative friends because it's not a, a male dominated industry, but. You know, it, you're going to go do the DJ things. You're going to be up till 2 a.m. You're going to wait and, and scrap to get that whitelist and be in 15 discords and have, you know, 55 different notification settings on. And that that's not normal, I don't think. And so that is the degenerative way. 
You know what I think a big thing here is, is that so NFTs, you know, in lots of cases, they are, quote unquote, investments. They, they are assets. They, they do appreciate in value. People have made a lot of money off of them. Right. And I mean, Jeremy, but other people. And <laughs> and I think part of the, the whole concept here is, is that usually anything that is a considered a money making activity. And I'm talking from like Wall Street, your stockbroker, all the way down to the woman you went to high school with who's trying to sell you on like some multi-level marketing thing or whatever. Like from top to bottom, everyone always acts like they're the smartest person in the room if they're trying to sell you on something. Like me and Jeremy both do sales and like our, our real job, a real life, whatever. And part of that is is to be so confident walking in the room or whatever that you're always gonna make the deal. So you kind of convince the other person that, you know, Oh, this where why are they so confident they're going to make, you know, like whenever it comes to this kind of money stuff, everyone always wants to act like they're the smartest guy ever. If you're in the crypto space for a while, like I've been, every single project was the next greatest thing, you know, and every single deal was going to be the next greatest thing. But then freaking Dogecoin blew past all these technological wonders and it did it because the power of a meme and the power of people just, you know, wanting to cut up basically was stronger than all these people acting like their, you know, their little toy was the smartest one in the, in the world, you know, the best toy in the box, so to speak. And I feel like the, the, the D-Gen concept a little bit is we're not going to take ourselves so seriously. We're here to have fun. And I really appreciate that. That's one thing I really like about that compared to the crypto world. All right, next one. You, you mentioned this about D-Gen's doing this. What's a whitelist? So a whitelist would be a pre-approval um, for a mint. So an NFT that, you know, is going to be generated or its origin, uh, you're going to mint that. So a whitelist would give you like exclusive pre-sale access or a better price than the public or normal sale. You know, I think, I I think about it as, so sometimes it's a better price, right? Sometimes the public say on the whitelist there, but sometimes they're the same price. Sometimes the people on the whitelist pay the same. It's just that in a lot of these products nowadays, especially the ones with good art, people know we're coming because there's so many people in NFTs now it's very hard to just go and like, uh, we'll do that next, next term, aped in. It's very hard to ape in to a project that you just randomly find that's just doing a mint that day. Or you look on the calendar and you see that mint and it ends up turning around being real successful. There are examples. I've minted, you know, a couple things that have been successful recently myself. But for all those that I've really had success with kind of recently, it's because I was on a white list because I own some other NFT or I jumped through some sort of hoop, won some sort of contest. Like it's getting to the point where, the really valuable out the gate NFTs, the ones that don't build up in value, they have a really exclusive whitelist. And it's almost to the point where if you're not on that whitelist, you're not minting. You're not getting it at the mint price. The mint price is just an illusion to you. And that's just was like the initial price for the people, the special people that were on the list. And then everyone else is going to have to buy whatever it ends up from OpenSea from those people on the list. A lot of times already comes out the gate like 2x, 3x or something, right? If you're not one of those whitelist people. And we've seen stuff jump out. I think the Killer Girlfriend, what, it jumped out like at 0.7 at the beginning. The What's it? Akuna, Zuna? How do you say that one? Life that of one's Zuna. That one started at 0.9 and just went up. <laughs> like, there wasn't any time if you weren't on the whitelist to get it for anything ha- less than half an ETH, you know? Like, it just went up, right? And so I think the whitelist concept is something a lot of people are getting frustrated about in the market. You know, in the past, instead of doing this, the 2021, the big thing was just to put a mint out there, have people pay extra in gas if they wanted to be ahead of the mint and good luck to you, you know. But nowadays, it, the, the fighting for a place in the whitelist is a lot of what you're doing in your 
time if you're doing NFTs. And it's turning a lot of people off. I think it's getting to the point where a lot of people want to walk away from that kind of culture. You've heard me call on Twitter a whitelist industrial complex. I think it's really getting like that, where there's such a buildup around getting on these whitelists because it is so valuable that a lot of people are willing to really, you know, be degenerates about it. All right, let's do Aped In. Jeremy, what's Aped In? Um, so an ape in would be, you know, jumping in almost blindly. So it's going to be that cannonball into the deep end, um, sometimes without all your proper research. But it, it usually just means you're going in wholeheartedly, whether it's with or without research. It means you just went all in. I aped in. I, I went all in on a project. Then what you got to do is you got to look for proxies. And in the past, we've talked about it. what are the good proxies we look for? I want to see a team that doxes themselves, makes it less likely they're going to rug you. I want to see a team with a good roadmap on the website and good outline media rights. If they haven't thought about media rights, they probably haven't thought about what they're doing in like six months. So why, why are you bothering with them? I want to see on the fact, I want to see fact items about what they're doing and what's happening, not how they're going to be making so much money or how do you make money. I don't want to see anything on your website about making money. If I see anything on your website about making money or anything that looks like anything slightly like a blatant Ponzi scream or where I, I'm going to rug the next guy or whatever, then why aren't you just going to rug me? I have no faith in you. I have no faith in your project. Goodbye. Right. And that's what you got to do. You got to have good proxies for things. And that's the closest I think you can come to doing your own research other than maybe like following people you trust online or something and going along with them. But even then, as we've seen, those influencers, they can rug their followers and just move on to the next pile of whatever. So I think DYOR really means having your own set standards, having your own, like, uh, it might not be our playbook. Maybe you have your own playbook, but having that playbook and sticking to it because that's how you don't get rugged. Let's talk about rugged. That's how you don't get rugged or become a bag holder. So let's hit a double shot here. So getting rugged is the act of, you know, obviously just like it sounds, having the rug pulled out from underneath you. Um, it's usually never a good, it's never a good thing. Um, it typically happens when a developer leaves, when liquidity is taken from something, when the project dies, when, you know, none of the pro or a majority or the biggest promises are not fulfilled upon. Um, and it leaves you as a bag holder because you're sitting there left with a bag full of basically crap. And being a bag holder is, is never good in this world. Everyone mm -hmm. in this whole space, it seems like, is kind of waiting for the next person to buy the thing or whatever. And so we're all kind of, in a way, trying to rug the next person. Hence the name of this episode, Rug or Be Rug. That's kind of the NFT world mentality right now, especially that flip-verse mentality, is I'm not going to be the one holding the bag. I'm going to make sure I get out for the next person. But I don't know if that's healthy long-term. I don't know if, if, if that's part of the reason why scamming is such a big deal in the space is because that this mentality of this greed makes people jump in without thinking without having good decisions and and, and I, I don't know jeremy I, I feel like so much of it is what's going to keep this community from growing this is kind of the bad thing in the in the market that that kind of keeps people out that kind of gives people that negative impression gives fuels to the haters that we talked about before so we're going to take a break real quick and when we come back we're going to talk about how to protect yourself, secure your own investment, and keep you from getting rugged because that's the worst feeling is to be rugged in this industry. So we'll be right back.
All right, Jeremy, we've given people advice before. And so if you want to go back in a previous episode, episode number two, we gave some people advice in general about how to survive in the NFT market. But given the new kind of uh, boom, so to speak, of NFTs getting stolen, listens being stolen, let's give some people some more topical advice from the moment in time. What's some advice you want to give to the folks? Um, so I always want to vet my source. you're having to find a link to go to a mint site or to an open sea collection. And it's very easy to, you know, mess one letter up or do something. And, and, you know, we've seen it where people park websites because they know it's a common misspelling that the exact same thing can happen in this industry. So, um, you know, making sure you pay attention to those details, obviously. And, and you think that that's a small thing, but one of the guys I know that's online that got hacked he just wanted to look up what his looks rare staking was doing that day. Googled looks rare, clicked on the first link for looks rare. It was a site that looked exactly like looks rare, except I think like one of the zeros was one of the O's was a zero or something. And as soon as he connected his wallet, boom, all the stuff. But the best advice I would give people is you need to have more than one wallet. You need to have a wallet in MetaMask. It is the MetaMask wallet. We call it a hot wallet, soft wallet, whatever, that whenever you first set up MetaMask and it runs you through the, the hoops, that that's the one that you set up, account number one, right? But you don't leave anything there. My account number one, that's what I mint out of. That's what I have connected to OpenSea to sell of. That's what I use to, to maybe buy or whatever. But the moment that I mint that good NFT, it's going to one of my hard wallets. The moment that I buy that, 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 that NFT on OpenSea that's worth more, let's put a floor at maybe like 0.2 ETH or something. Boom. It's going to a hard wallet. I'm paying that extra gas to move it over or whatever to a hard wallet. And I know that sucks. And I know paying $20, $30 in gas sucks. And I know buying a hard wallet, you know, Nano X is like 130 bucks or something like that. A Ledger Nano X sucks. But let me tell you something. Sucks way worse for a $3,000, you know, $1,500, $30,000 NFT to just fly out your wallet because you left everything in your MetaMask. So if you have any NFT that you want to hold long term, needs to be in a hard wallet. Doesn't need to be in your MetaMask wallet. And if you're buying NFTs, you're flipping them, you're selling them, anything that you're going to hold on to for, say, more than a day, worth more than 0.2, it needs to be on a hard wallet. And that hard wallet does not need to be connected. Don't be taking that hard wallet mint with it. Don't be taking that hard wallet and connecting it to OpenSea. That thing should be like a vault that you're putting things in and taking things out of, and you don't connect it to all these websites. You can use MetaMask to connect a hard wallet to websites, but don't do that. Don't sign things with your hard wallet. Don't connect it to other websites. Just let it be this thing you transfer to. Maybe you transfer out of if you use like the Ledger software or whatever, you know, or I like my Ethereum wallet. I'll actually sign off on my Ethereum wallet. But again, be careful of the website, your domain. Don't Google it. Type in myetheriumwallet.com. Um, then anything other than that, you, there's a chance that people will get you to sign something you shouldn't. And then you're going to get rugged. Then you're going to lose your NFTs. So that's a big thing to have that hard wallet. I have more than one. I have a couple hard wallets that I'm slushing through and all that sort of thing. Just to make sure that the NFTs I care about the most that are the most valuable are kept far away from that, that MetaMask wallet where I'm doing the minting and I'm signing random contracts and I'm signing off on things. Because with a hard wallet, even if you've given people access to that hard wallet, 
you actually have to verify on the hard wallet for with like buttons on the wallet for a transfer to take place. It's not like the MetaMask wallet that once they get the keys, they can just go to town. They never have to bug you again. Now, you can get spoofed with a hard wallet. You you look at a hard wallet and it says, do you sign transaction number in gobbledygook? So there's nothing really there on a hard wallet that can protect you if you just go ahead and hit yes on anything anyway. So that's why you really need to keep your hard wallet away from the minting and away from the activity and away from what you're connecting, you know, your Web3, your MedMask to. Have it something kind of offline, basically. So that way you cannot lose whatever is tied to it because you're not actually using it to do anything. That's the best advice I can give people. Um, I don't know, Jeremy, you, you've run into some problems with the hard wallet in the past, right, where our treasure won't allow us to do some things. But isn't that better than getting hacked? I think it is. Oh, it's way better than getting hacked. And I mean, I, I think most people would probably correlate this to being like permissions on an app on your cell phone. When you download an app, you know, it tells you what permission settings it needs. It's going to need access to this, this and this. Well, when it doesn't on a smart chain contract, it, it gives you lines of codes and says, you know, we need to do this. And again, it goes back to that. We don't know what this is. So we're like, OK, cool. Um, if you do connect to sites for things, you can actually, you know, one of the things I'll show like a screenshot on our Twitter account, but you can go to the little hamburger option button and disconnect from those sites. And even, you know, your burner wallet, you should be disconnecting from sites after you've connected to them. Um, once you've done what you need to do, don't just stay connected to random sites all the time. Yeah, I'll tell you what, we'll put a Twitter post out or we'll just reshare posts. There's so many good posts out there right now about protecting yourself. But one thing that's come up um, is that you, that you can go on there and you can revoke these permissions. So you're talking about disconnecting. Not only can you disconnect, but you can go on there and you, you can pull up all the, the sites that in the past you've connected to and given permission to get into your wallet. And you can revoke that permission after the fact. So after you do a mint, take back your uh, position. After you do whatever, take back your position. And I hate to say this, especially those out there that like new marketplaces and all that. But another way you can kind of prevent this is not not buying on OpenSea. Sticking to the main marketplaces looks rare, open sea or whatever, like not going to some random site, not doing off the books trading and all that sort of thing. Like if you stick to the main sites, you're much less likely to get rugged than if you go to random trading site or whatever that someone spoofs to look like the random trading site, but it really isn't like this is the closest thing to the Wild West that's happened in like a hundred years, what's happened in the crypto land. And there is a lot of good people in the community that'll have sympathy and try to help you up front. But the day that you get rugged is the day that you're all on your own. And you don't want to be one of those people that sees the most valuable asset you've ever owned just fly out your wallet, you know. Or maybe it's just the favorite, your favorite art piece fly out your wallet, you know. And so that's why get a hard wallet. Move your stuff to your hard wallet. I know paying gas sucks. I know gas sucks. But if you can't stomach paying $30 to protect a $3,000 NFT or something, then you just shouldn't be in the game. You just shouldn't be doing this. I mean, I hate to be like that, but that that's the cost of business. That's the cost of playing in NFTs. And there might be some soul flow people like, oh, ha, ha, that's why I don't have ETH NFTs. Well, great. Don't do that then. Stick to top shots or whatever. And then you don't need a hard wallet. Then Dapper Labs has everything locked down and tied to your Google account or whatever. And then you don't have to worry about this. Uh, you're not really decentralized then, I'll let you know. But, you know, then you're trusting Dapper Labs. But, you know, they got $8 billion and they got outside investors. It's just like trusting Google or something like, that, like any big corp, right? But if you're going to go and trust you know, mint.site or whatever, or the next like eight punk mint rip off. Hey, it might be ripping you off like the, like the block first guys did. So do your own research, make sure that those projects have those kind of indicators you're looking for. 
do the mint, do the connection with that hot wallet. And the moment you get something worth a darn, move it over to that hard wallet, pay the gas, get it gone, and then never connect that thing to, to any kind of site or anything like that. You know, one big misconception, the NFT is not actually on the hard wallet. All that's on the hard wallet is the access to the keys to go get that NFT on the blockchain. So it's not like a little USB drive where you're saving a little picture on there or something like that. All the hard wallet does is make it so there has to be a real world, a physical world interaction for something to happen with your crypto wallet. But that one air gap, so to speak, is what keeps you from making it so that someone can hack and just take all your stuff away. There's no platform out there. I don't care if you're on a Mac. I don't care if you've got a custom hardened Linux machine. There's no platform out there, especially a Windows computer, that can't be easily hacked and get into. We see it happen over and over and over again. We're like, grandma got malware in a machine, so someone across the network that's just doing crypto get rugged or something like that, right? Like, you can't trust your network. You can't trust your computer. The only thing you can trust is the thing that's in your hand, that hard wallet's in your hand. So get anything worth a darn on a hard wallet before you regret it, before someone takes that from you, so... Sorry for the rant here. Nope, you're good. I mean, that that is definitely probably the best way to be safe. Um, you know, again, I go back to Discord. I look up links on Discord. I look up links on Twitter. I look to see how long their Twitter has been open, how many tweets they've had. They typically have a link tree or, you know, specific links in that. And if it's an established account, you're usually pretty good. I mean, obviously, if the account opened last month and has 12 tweets, then I, I wouldn't go to that website if I was on your computer um, you know, but that, that, that goes back to that aping. Like if you're not aping into things randomly, then you're not just going to be randomly clicking on links either. You know, it's just really hard because there is a time element and there is sometimes a small window between the moment that a project hits the market and it goes up and then comes down, never comes back again. Like if you're in this for the day trading of it, then you need to be extra careful and you almost have to have a couple extra layers than what I'm talking about. If you're just a normal person though, that's wanting to get into this, wants to have a Twitter verified PFP, maybe you're looking to get something that's worth a little money one day. You don't know how it goes. You know, you just kind of want to have fun and play around like me and Jeremy are doing. Then it's not fun if you lose your stuff, right? So that's why you just want to have a minimum amount of security. You just want to be careful and you just want to make sure that if it's anything that looks too good to be true, probably is. And if it's anything that's given you a promise and it's just handing you something on a stick, especially this deep in the NFT market, it's not. It's a rug. I tell you that. Mm-hmm. Oh, and if anyone's trying to help you and it's not someone that you connect to in a Discord community that you've trusted and people trust in that community, then they might be trying to rug you. And even then, it could be a beanie where <laughs> there's a lot of people that'll vouch for them. And it turns out that they're a POS in, at the end of the day, right? So trust mm-hmm. yourself. Trust yourself to do the right thing, to make the good decisions. Trust yourself to put your NFTs on a hardware wallet. Trust yourself to have those indicators whenever you're looking at a project that makes it worth jumping in. Because at the end of the day, you will be the only one responsible if someone takes your NFTs from you. No one else is going to help you on that moment. And it would be a terrible place to be. I've lost in the past. I have had about mm, three Ethereum stolen from me. So I can Mm. speak to this directly. I had it stolen back in the days when they weren't worth that much. But how about that now? Like, could could you imagine just having three ETH stole from you, Jeremy? I mean, some, that that that's a lot of money, right? Like, that's like someone in coming and stealing a car or something from you nowadays, right? I'd and still it's be not crying. A yeah, I'd still be crying to this day. <laughs> you know what? I, I I did have my moment, but I've moved on, and you know we're we're doing we're doing stuff. But but it, it, there is there is that point where. 
you're like, I, why did I ever get into this? Why did I ever do NFTs? Why, you know, or crypto or whatever the thing is. And you don't want to be there. It's supposed to be fun. And it, it, you can have it fun. You can do safe, but just practice safe NFT and get that hard wallet. Keep your good stuff on there. Don't connect it to anything else. Have your fun in MetaMask, but move it all along whenever it's time. It's very easy to do. It's going to cost, but that cost is much more than this, your sanity. And it, it, and, and you just got to see it as a cost of doing business, you know. It, 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 I get it. Gas is high. But what's $100 on a $3,000 NFT? You know, what's $30 to protect something that, you know, is worth as much as a car? You know, like it's just what's one hundred and thirty dollars right now. The moment you get off this podcast to go buy that Nano X that you've not been buying. I promise if you're in the NFT world, you've already spent more than that this year on gas. Go right now and go buy a Nano X Like right now. Go and buy a Nano X and you'll thank me one day whenever all your favorite NFTs are on there. So for sure, let's go ahead and take let's take a break. All right. All right, Jeremy. So we've talked about some terminology. We've had some fun. So what what else do you want to talk about that's going on in the NFT world again real quick? Uh, is there anything going on in the Top Shots land that you think is interesting? Man, you know, those KD packs um, obviously are good. The The flash challenges have been fantastic. This metallic gold silver edition, I think, is being slept on. Um, I think it's going to be as important as the metallic gold rares were in, in series one and two, but it's a, a fan series where all the moments are flash challenge or other challenge, you know, competition rewards. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be a huge series in my opinion. You know, I, I, I really think that on that side that we're seeing a lot of people that are getting more into the challenges. I've seen a lot of people that are finally doing these pushes to try to be more active. And so I feel like every challenge is building on itself. It's like the hype machine keeps building on itself and they've doing a really good job about rolling out ones that people want to participate in, right. That are a lot of fun right now. So. All right, Jeremy, that's all the time we have for today. Tell people where to find you. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Jerkdake. You can find me on Twitter at poofy hair guy, or you can find the podcast at nfttalespodcast.com. Uh, thank you very much for jumping on with us today. We really appreciate it. We always love having y'all jump on and listen to us ramble about NFTs. What do you want to leave people with, Jer? Um, onward and upward. We're all going to make it. Wag me. We're all going to make it because we're doing this. And in this is this, 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 this destiny for us, this destination for us. And so me and Jeremy will be happy to see you all on the road. Be following us on Twitter and come and talk to us whenever you get a chance. And we'll be speaking with you all next week. Thank you all very much.